Hello, and welcome to Miss D's Lunacy. My guest today is the latest generation of an unrivaled polo dynasty started in Mexico. His father won a Grand Slam, the British, Argentine, and U.S. Open all in one year, which has never been done before and has yet to be repeated. I think that is extraordinary, and it's such a powerful statement about this game. My guest today played the U.S. Open at 15 and made it to the semifinals. What an incredible feat at his age. Please welcome Carlito Gracida, the son of Carlos Gracida, who will tell you so much about polo, which so many people really don't know much about. We just watch <laughs> it sometimes, right? And they wear it. And they wear it. So thank you so much for yeah, coming. Yeah, nice to be here, Ms. D. Thank you. It's really important for us to understand it. Now, I learned something that I don't think anybody knew. I did a little history checkup, and it was actually started, Polo was actually started, 6th century B.C., right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It in, was pretty amazing. In, in, in Persia. Persia for yeah. military exercises. Yeah. What was it called? Shovgan. Shovgan, exactly. And then Shogun. It, but it, they had they had how many players per team? A hundred players. Hundreds. Yeah. But they were it was all for military and yeah, it, it was a war exercise. Exactly. Yeah. And they, so they used horses back yeah, in those yeah, days. That's yeah. how they moved around. Yeah, of course. So then the horses took on a whole new meaning because they played when the British ruled India. Yeah. They started to play polo. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was the English That's right. that started the rules and made it a, a proper sport. But the rules differ for so many. Yeah, yeah. But before before polo got to England, it was in India, and uh, it was a game, but it wasn't so structured as it is now. So that that that's where it started to be legit, you know, and very more competitive, and that's where the it really started to be what it is today in England. It's true, and then it went, of course, to England. Yeah. But, I mean, they played in India, th thousands, oh, yeah. no, 10,000 people yeah. would watch. Yeah. And then they did something hysterical. They were playing polo with elephants, right? Yeah, yeah. They didn't yeah, go. They still, they still do that. They yeah. still do yeah, that. Yeah. It's, it's just for fun, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, this is not, I mean, first of all, there's no gold player. But anyway, in the 1920s, it reached Mexico. Yeah, exactly. And this is where your Gracida family comes in. Yeah. Now, tell me about your grandfather, Carlos. Well, it was actually my great grandfather, great grandfather that started. He was a charro in the in the in the, in the cavalry, and uh, he was just a horseman, and he competed in the Pan Am Games for dressage and won a bronze medal. And he never rode dressage. He was just a charro, and he had this famous horse called Gansia that used to dance. So he took it to do the dressage to compete, and it won a bronze medal. And then that's a fa very famous horse because that horse was Mexico's gift to Evita Peron when she went to Mexico. That was, and then, yeah, he wasn't too happy. No, no, he was not happy. And then my grandfather, his son, there was four brothers and they all had horses in their life. They all played polo. And uh, he was in the cavalry also in the, in the military and they used to play polo there. And that's how it got into my family. It's extraordinary. But yeah. who's Joaquim Amaro? I want to say. He was a secretary of war for the Mexican army. Ah. And he's the one who started all this. Oh, yeah, but that was that's the generation of my great-grandfather. That's right. So this yeah, goes My grandfather was in the, in the 30s and 40s and that's 50s. That's right. That's right. Yeah, that was my grandfather. But uh, It's extraordinary. Yeah. Now, yeah. somehow, 
there were all these boys in these families. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's nothing but boys and boys and boys. And believe it or not, on my mom's side, she has three brothers. So there's nothing. So I <laughs> yeah. mean, you made a team right then <laughs> yeah, and there. Yeah. Well, they're they're actually the last team. My grandfather and his three brothers are the last team to win the U.S. Open with four brothers. It's extraordinary. So, and the only team to do that. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. I mean, each time there was a son, off he went on a horse. Yeah, yeah, no, horses are part of my life and part of my family's life. And uh, it's not just polo, you know. My great-grandfather was a charro and my grandfather did steeplechase and he was a jockey and he played polo. So the, the, the real passion here is horses for us. The horse is in your veins. Yeah, yeah. Okay, what age were you on a horse? I think, what did uh, you say? I, I don't three. even remember. Three years old. I, I used to ride when I was three, four, or five years old. That's when I started. I mean, I have pictures of me on the horse of my father when I was born, but uh, I used to have this horse called Candelita and they used to take me walking and I used to fall asleep on the horse. Ah, <laughs> instead of being lullaby, so I spend hours on the horse. So oh, that's, yeah. that is extraordinary. And so your father became so famous as well as your uncle and they decided to come to the United States. Yes. And started playing and winning when they weren't supposed to. Yeah. So how did that happen? Well, the first one to come was Memo, my uncle, my dad's brother. And uh, he came here. He came to Retama Polo Club in Texas. Yes. And he saw an opportunity. So he asked my dad to come. And uh, they came. They played. I think they had a medium rating. They played the U.S. Open the next year. And they won the U.S. Open with the lowest rated team in the tournament my, my dad and memo and then uh I've, the rest is history you know memo has won he's the one that holds the record he has 16 u.s open wins and my dad is in second place with the most wins in america with nine u.s opens so that just lets you know memo in america he, he's number one with 16 my father's number two with nine and the third place has eight so memo memo's record will never be touched you know now explain what a grand slam is, because most of us don't mean it's like a, yeah. it's like a trifecta, really. Yeah. So there's a there's there's a triple crown in America. Yeah. There's a triple crown in Argentina. Yeah. And then in England, you have the Queen's Cup and the Gold Cup. Wow. But the most important tournaments in the world are the British Open, which is the Gold Cup, the Argentine Open, which is the Open there, and the U.S. Open. Those are the most prestigious, the highest level in the world, the most. The best horses are playing in these tournaments. And uh, he won, my father won the Grand Slam, which is all three Opens in the same year. Wow. And he did it three times. It and has never been done. In the 2,000 years, no one's done it, you know, as long as Polo's been around. So Now, also, your family and your uncle were the favorite of the queen. And, you, and he taught, was it your father or Memo who taught? Prince Charles. My father played with Prince Charles. They won the British Open together, and uh, he loved my father's style of play so much and his horsemanship that he made my father Prince Harry and Prince William's teacher as well. So he had this amazing gift yeah. for discipline. Yeah, and they used to call him the artist because the way he, my father played looked effortless, you know. Memo was much more structured and disciplined and, and had everything perfect, and my father just was natural at it and so that that and they gave had, him that extra flair but what's so great they had two different styles which yeah, worked no, yeah. 
together, so oh, the yeah. team was unbeatable. Oh, when, when they played together, they were unbeatable. Unbeatable. Yeah. And it's never been done before. No, no. So explain the... First of all, people may not know this, but polo ponies have to be a certain height and a certain age. And this is where your parents come in and your father came in. He decided to breed also thoroughbreds. Yes. Which was never done before. No, actually, not not really. Not that not that much. Uh, it started a little bit, but they were the main ones that started bringing the thoroughbreds in. And uh, But weren't they too tall? For them? No, they looked for ones that were smaller. I mean, the horses are measured in hands. That's great. So, so, I mean, so a proper polo horse ideally is 15-1, 15-2 hands, and that's literally a hand, so it's about six inches or whatever. Wow. Yeah, so... Uh, they started uh, first starting, they started training thoroughbreds from Mexico. And then they came to America and were like, whoa, these thoroughbreds here are like bigger, <laughs> faster, stronger. So let's train these ones, you know? And sometimes the thoroughbreds are a little bit bigger than the polo bred horses. But my father's argument was these Steve. thoroughbreds have been bred to be athletes for 200 years. So they're, they're ahead of the game when it comes to athleticism, you know? And uh, that's something that the horses and my father's theory have proven, you know. He puts all these thoroughbreds in, and he's had some of the best horses in the world. So so your love of the game and your love of animals has propelled your entire family to be dedicated to this. Yeah. Which is just extraordinary. It's so yeah. unusual. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like everybody's yeah. doing it. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's, it's a big responsibility. I mean. Now, there have been clubs everywhere, but the main one now was started by Bill Ilvesacker. Yeah. And he he was. In the 70s, early 70s. Yeah. And, it, I mean, there were many clubs. There's Meadowbrook. There's yeah, yeah. Millbrook. There's. and But this one, how did Bill do that? I mean, he. Bill? He, my father, when they came here, there was Orange Grove in Wellington. Yes. And I think it was strawberry farming. And Lake Worth was a dirt road. I know. And uh, Bill came and said, I'm going to do this here, this this there. I'm going to put this here. Here's the clubhouse is going to be here. And my father and Memo were like, this guy's crazy. What is he saying? You know, like, <laughs> there's nothing out here. No one's going to come here. But Bill, I mean. Had a vision. There's many people that I, that I, I mean, look up to, and Bill's definitely one of them because anyone who has a vision and a dream and at whatever cost goes for it and does it, that's what makes it happen. You know, the, the rest comes, the people will come if you do it right and you do well at it. And uh, he's one of the many people that it took inspired forever, us to do but, our wine. So yeah, but whoever we'll, we'll get to it for sure. But, but whoever believed that, that this could actually happen. Yeah. Well, I think only Bill believed it. Yeah, I think <laughs> so, so. But then, you know. It's, it's extraordinary. And Memo's in California now, but he yeah. bred horses for 35 years in Wellington. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Cal California is also horse country. He's in San Inez, California. That's right. San Inez is beautiful. I mean, I don't know if you've been there, but no. oh, it's amazing. That's where uh, that's where Michael Jackson used to live. It's in San Inez. Oh. Yeah. So tell me, so you've got four polo ponies on either side. Yeah. And tell me no, about... No, You have four per chucker. Four per chucker. And then you can change the horses, and it's seven minutes. Seven minutes per chucker, six chuckers. So you need how many horses? Uh, in Argentina, they play eight chuckers. But in America and in England, there's six chuckers. So I'll play anywhere between two and three horses a chucker. So I'll take 
around 10 horses to the fields. Amazing. Yeah, and the good ones will play more than once. It's like soccer, you know? They'll play a little bit, come on the bench, cool off, have some water, get a bath, and then go back out and play again. Yeah. So you train these babies yeah. every day. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a big responsibility, you know? It is. So yeah. tell me about the schedule. You get up at 6. <laughs> the schedule is yeah. the horses eat every day. We try to keep them on the same time frame. But, uh, I mean, just like you, you know, that's the best way to stay healthy. So, But they'll eat around 6.30. They eat, and then while they eat, I help, the, I help obviously, but the, the grooms and myself, the grooms just get, they don't get enough credit because they spend a, a, all day there. Um, and while the horse is eating, they'll change, they'll clean the stall and change the water. They get brand new water buckets in the morning and the afternoon, so they always have clean water. They get brushed, and then once they're done being brushed, they'll bring them out and they'll take them on sets. When you take a set, it's when you take, the guy rides one horse and has two horses on each side and he leads them. Oh, yeah. I've seen that. So he'll walk them for 20 minutes, trot them for 15 minutes, and then walk them another 20 minutes in the morning and the afternoon. And then I try to ride them every other day if they're not playing. And if they're playing, for example, uh, let's say I play Friday, Sunday. They'll play Friday, Sunday, Monday, they relax, they get a break, they don't do work, they sleep, whatever they want to do. We'll put them in the corrals for a little bit. Tuesday, they'll go on sets, which is like what we're talking about. They'll walk and trot, uh, or I'll ride them, depending on who's going. If they're going well, I leave them. If they're not going well and they need some work, I'll school a couple of them. Wednesday, I'll play practice. Thursday, they'll just walk, and then Friday, they'll play. It's amazing the yeah. amount of work that you have oh, to yeah. do. And that that's the end result, you know. You have to they have to get to that point which takes a couple of years to not only learn how to go on sets with other horses but to play the game. These we're talking about horses that play already this this you know so the, know. you have to teach them to <clears throat> be able to bump another horse. That's right. And you have to teach them to meet other horses head to head to head. Then so, what happens? So when you first teach them, they, they're scared, you know, they don't know. They're like, this horse is coming at me, so they spook. So you just do a lot of exercises with them, and it's pretty interesting. Well, I mean, over the years, the barns in Wellington are yeah. beyond yeah. stupendous. Yeah. They've got air conditioning. Yeah. Well, actually, the, the most expensive land in Wellington is in the equestrian club. That's right. And people don't live there. It's just horses. It's and it's 500 an acre. So It's what? It's like 500,000 an acre. But they're barns. Oh. I mean, they've got elevators and yeah. I'm going, who's going up to the balcony? No, it's amazing. They are beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And uh, helicopter pads. Yeah, everything. They have, they have pools for the horses. They have spas and for they, the horses. You they, know, they started doing that for when they were injured. Yeah, yeah. And now they put water at uh, treadmills with water in pools yeah, for, yeah. for regular people. Yeah, yeah. And it actually started because yeah. horses, if they were injured, needed to be able to do that because of the least resistance. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I mean, they're treated like kings and queens. Yeah, well, they're the obviously they're the priority, but they're the priority for a reason because for us to do well, they're the main, they're the most important thing in the organization when it comes to creating income. So they're part of the team, they're working. And they're the, they're the most important thing, you know? When you have a, a, a band of rock stars and the, the main singer, that's the main guy, you gotta take care of him, you know? 
you can replace the drummer or whatever, but the the main thing is the horses. That's that's our priority. So people call it a hobby, but you call it a contact sport. Yeah. Because there is a lot of contact with them. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, they bump into each other. Yeah. They, and unfortunately, one of them, unfortunately, you can relate it to hockey. The way the game Very works. Very much so. The way, the way it circulates and the way. There's a lot of bumping and fighting in hockey. Yeah, we don't fight, you know. No, you know, but there's a lot. Now, somebody started, there was, because we have to explain that sponsors are used in polo. Yes. With all of this wealth and all of these sponsors like Audi, like like Rolex, the Rolex Cup and everything, people are looking for really, really top players. And so how does that work out? They, They offer you to be the top player. They... Because you have certain rules about... There's handicaps. Yes, that, explain that. So there's a rating. It's like golf, but in golf, the lower your handicap, the better you are. In polo, the higher your handicap, the better you are. The, and the the rating goes up to 10 only. Yeah, now your father was a 10, your uncle yeah. was a 10. Yeah. But it's very unusual to people to go 10 so fast. It's, it's very unusual. You need to be very well organized, and you have to play very well and be consistent and make finals and win tournaments but um so you have a handicap system and and it's different with each cup yeah there's different the the british open is 22 goals for example right the u.s open is the second highest level in the world at 26 and then in argentina you have up to 40 goals how do they change the rules like that so it just depends on i mean they're actually now changing the u.s open from 26 to 22 because they want teams from england uh-huh. So if you win in England, for example, with the 22-goal team, 22-goal team means that all four players on the field with their handicaps add up to 22 goals. Right. And uh, So the best of them can't really go there. Because but the reason they're bringing the U.S. Open from 26 to 22 is that if someone goes and wins in England, they'll say, oh, let's go win the U.S. Open now. And you keep the same team. So I think I think it's going to be good for So Poland. there's a lot of rotating or not particularly during the season it's pretty much the same no, team. No, it's usually the same teams. And then and then you get sponsored out to somebody else who says yeah. I want you. Yeah. I want you to be with me yeah, for Yeah, you're like a free agent. You're like a free agent. Yeah. And it's all about I mean being a professional in any sport it's all about your image. Yeah. And it's all about your relationship with people outside the sport, you know. You can be the best soccer player but if you're if you're a big mucky muck. doo doo, mm-hmm. you're not gonna get any. You know, you have to you have to have the right attitude and be very professional and uh, be a gentleman. You and you to. were so lucky to meet so many people through your, your father and your uncle. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I feel very lucky to have someone like my father as a role model because he is makes me want to be a gentleman as well. You know, that's, and that's so important. Yeah, you have to be. Now tell me, what was it like? You were 15 years old when you played in the U.S. thing? U.S. US Open, yeah. It's, I mean, that must have awed you. I mean, yeah. that's so young. Well, at that age, you're just, I mean. You go for it. You just go for it. You, you know? go for and it. Just having so much time on horses for me, the last thing on my mind was fear. It was just, it was already, it was just so engraved in my life that, I didn't and you're think not bow-legged, I noticed. No, I'm not. Because no, you go to Texas and they're all bow-legged. No, no, we do. I do a lot of stretching, a lot of exercise. So it's true. Yeah, yeah. We, it's really true. So explain the positions because it's it's you know when you see all these horses running around, you who's doing what? To all right. Run? So it's it's very similar. I mean, it's you can't say, and de- it depends who you're playing with. Yeah. But 
it's not as a general like other sports that you have a position and you stay in that position like in soccer in soccer if you're up front you stay in your zone correct but in polo the the game is more fluent so the transition from offense to defense is a lot quicker and, it, it, and the game doesn't stop so when you're in a certain zone that's the position you're playing so you don't you don't stay in a certain zone you're circulating and when you're in that zone that's your position and if you're in the defensive zone which means that your team's attacking and you're behind everybody you're the number four right and your job there is only defense so your job so that there, one stays that, persistent. that pers- that's pretty persistent but their job is to hit the ball and hope their teammate scores and if the teammate doesn't score and the other team takes it from them and they start attacking he's got, yeah he's, he's got to close the back door uh-huh. yeah now number three is the quarterback number like- three is the quarterback number three is the guy that Con, I mean, controls the game and uh, pretty much he, he's the captain for the most part. Really? Yeah. So he gets to fool around with uh, for he gets to make sure that one and two get the. And room. he can take more risks because he's got the number four behind him. I see. If he makes a mistake, and he's got the other guys in front, so if he hits it and they lose it or they get hooked, he'll pick it up again. So he's he's the most important. So guy. what's with the whistling when they whistle? Uh, they they do more than whistle. Well, whatever they do, they, they, what, is that a foul? Is that yeah, a- yeah, that's the, well, there's a lot of noise. I mean, the horse is running and yeah, it's, uh, you have to be constantly communicating because when you, you don't ever get the ball with time. So everything has to be quick. That's right. So there's a, there's a lot of talking. I'm here. You go up. I stay back. <laughs> Leave it. Hit it. Uh, whatever. But there's a constant. There has to be a synchronicity yeah. Oh, yeah, there has to be. of your team. So yeah. don't you all practice together before? Oh, yeah, we practice together. We ride together. We train together. We have dinner together. We have breakfast together. Oh, my goodness. We, uh, it's all it's day every day. It's a bonding. Yeah, yeah, it's all day every day. So It's amazing. And then when we play, we watch the videos 10 times of each game. So It's intense. Yeah, it's very interesting, you know, because watching the videos is key. Because you watch the video, you're like, oh, well, what are you doing there? Okay, well, when you're in this position, in Don't this do scenario, th- do this. So then the next game, you know, okay, if I'm in, if this is happening, my first reaction is this because my teammates are expecting that. So you play, you've been playing for 15, 20 years. I don't even know. I mean, I started on a bike so before I could even ride. That is amazing. Yeah. And you have played everywhere. Tell us where have you played. Yeah, I've played here in England, Santa Barbara, um, San Tropez, the Hamptons. Are you um, going to do that this summer? This summer, I'm going to Aspen. Oh, that's it's right. Beautiful. I it mean, I the way I, I happen to be going the there. way I see Aspen in July is I love Santa Barbara because of the weather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's dry there. You know, the the, the country's dry. Yes, yes. And yes. then the Hamptons is beautiful and green, but it's hot it is hot so aspen is beautiful and green with the santa barbara weather so it's so perfect it's perfect so you take your courses there yeah the horses go there i think about a horse 100 horses go this summer it's amazing just with our organization now talking about talking you told me a really funny story about your i think it was memo your uncle who has been sponsored by a fellow who was a sort of a mediocre player and and memo being the you know the the organizer Decided to put the earphone. Oh, yeah. That's a great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they were like, they were watching this guy play, and they're like, man, we got to, what can we do, you know? 
well, let's there and they they just kind of said it, you know. They were what if we just put a microphone in this guy's ear so we can tell him what to do, <laughs> and they did it. So and it worked. So that that's that's pretty exciting. And, and he uh, was talking to the fellow who because he was a pilot, well, right? That, the, my memo more than anybody is one of the first people to make polo professional, like so. You know, before it was either like a farm sport or a very prestigious sport where a bunch of people with a lot of money that had horses would play together on the weekends. And Memo came in 1970, I think. And uh, that's when the professionalism started in America because Memo was doing things like this. How can I get better? How can I get this guy to play better? How can we win? It was all about winning for him. So he started making it more competitive and where can I buy better horses and work? How can I get my horses to be better? What feed do I get? Where, where, everything. Memo is a perfectionist, so he he's really the the reason, one of the pioneers of the professionalism that polo has now. And now it's this, it's huge. I mean, in Argentina, I think huge. it's the third, second or third biggest sport in Argentina, wow. after tennis and soccer. So your your uncle also started breeding them. Yeah. And he bred them differently than the Americans or the British. He put them, you said something about an arena. Oh, no, that, that's my father. So So your father we, did that. The way, because the thoroughbreds have a lot of character. Yes. So if you just get on them and you start running them around, they get hot-headed. So our first priority with the horses is to have them. Our theory is that a good horse, you can ride it if you want to, to take a lesson, or it can go be ridden in the high level. So um, our first priority is to make them quiet and make them comfortable and under situations that have pressure. So we start them in the arena, which is a small field, very small. It's enclosed, so you can't really run them flat out. A horse, it's all about having good experience. It's like a kid. When you're teaching a kid a sport, if you're always on top of him and this and that and it makes it a bad experience. The, the, the most important thing for the horse to start is to have fun. So in the arena, they kind of just go in circles and hit the ball. And there's a lot of more contact because there's more horses going around them and they get used to that. And then from there, they go to the field. A lot of people start them on the field, but a lot when you're playing, sometimes you get so caught up in the game that you forget about the horse. So you're caught up in scoring that goal and you start running and the field's 300 yards long. Yes, that's very long. Yeah, 10 football fields fit in a, in a polo field. Aye, aye, aye. So if you if you start running and, and, and the horse gets tired and you keep running, that's a bad experience. It's all plus and negative. Yeah, and it has to sum up to be a positive, you know. It's all about, like we say, sumando. Like, you know. It's so yeah. cool. And And that starts in the barn. It starts in the barn. When, when our horses first get to our barn, they have four guys brushing them. So they're, they're, they're relaxed in all these environments. You know, it's not just bah, bah. You're, there's, we don't, we don't rush it. But then it's you and the control with your body. Yeah. So you have yeah. to be very strong. Yeah, you have, I mean, we try to stay strong and lean, a lot of core work. Uh, definitely your core and your hips and your back, a lot of yoga, a lot of. That's very important. Otherwise, so where do you do all that out there? I do it by myself. I mean, my grandmother's actually been a yoga teacher for forty-five years. No, she's a master. So, she's taught me a lot of stretches. That and, is amazing. And I grew up here, so I grew up surfing. Well, that's good for you for balance, yeah, anyway. It's good for your balance. Good for your back. Yeah, it's good for your everything. 
How fantastic. Yeah. How fantastic. So you made it to the semifinals. I made it to the semifinals. And then four years ago, uh, Adolfo Cambiaso, the yes. number one player, yes. was playing in the semifinals. Yeah. In the first trucker of the game, he had a huge injury. So he got off and they changed the team around. And I was sitting there watching the game. And they called me and they said, hey, can you play? I said, yeah, sure, I'll play. <laughs> so we played and uh, the Patron sat down. Yeah. And we changed the team a little bit to be more balanced so because Cambiaso couldn't play. And uh, we actually won the semifinals. I didn't get to play the final. But uh, first I made the semifinals and I lost it when I was 15. And then four years ago, I won the semifinals as a, as a substitute, you know? That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I got to win it. <laughs> well, you're going to go places with all this. Yeah, yeah, we're going to win it. I mean, this is your lifelong mission. Yeah, of course. I think it's wonderful. Plus, you get up at 6 a.m.? Not right now, but during the season, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, yeah. So there's no partying. I mean, no partying. Well, your, your family was very, very strict, by the way. No partying, no drugs. Uh, I don't, I don't even drink soda. You know, I drink all water and eat healthy and wake up every morning. First, it's the horses, and then it's myself. So I don't have time for anything. I get home head tired. Uh, your, your lifestyle has to revolve around what you're doing. Because if the other guy's training four hours, you have to train 10 hours. You know, your lifestyle has to revolve around that, you know. So I, I put 100% of my energy it's into what I do. It, it's just extraordinary. Yeah. A lot of sacrifices. So Audi you played with yes. for a year or so. I've been with Audi for six years. And how's that going? It's great. I mean, that's a beautiful. They've gotten that's, that, some that's another beautiful thing about polo, you know. That, yes, explain that. I mean the relationships you build with people, the games are intense. The, the sport is very intense. A lot of adrenaline. Winning is huge. The feeling of winning, I can't describe, but it creates a bond with so many people. And uh, growing up in the sport, I, I've met so many people and it's almost like another family. I, I mean, everyone in the polo world, for the most part, I've known since I was born. So. We play it's against each other. We group, see, yeah. But they are all. It's like a family. It's oh my goodness. Yeah. I, because my family lives in Mexico. I understand, but is but that, I feel at home here because I know all these people my whole life. And you went to school in England, I and went then school you, in England and here. It's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And so all your friends are all. I mean, mostly polo players. Yeah. And so. And and people that are not like Sebastian, your son. Yes. I know them through polo people. So everything, everything I have in my life is because of the horses, everything. Every, and what's everyone your favorite I know. horse? My ah, favorite horse. Ah, it's a tough horse. one. No, no, well, I love them all. You know, it's kind of like your dogs, but there's always, there's always someone special. And uh, I have a horse called Norteño. 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 He's Magnus. a champion. And he's your thoroughbred. He's a thoroughbred, American. So the Arabian horses were used for polo as well. Yeah, I mean, the thoroughbreds started 200 years ago, and the Arabians are in the blood of the thoroughbreds. That's right. That's why they have so much class, and they look so fine, you know, because of that. And they're not too tall. No. I've seen them in Oman. Yeah. It was the most incredible yeah. stable I've ever A seen. A thoroughbred essentially is an Arabian horse yes. turned into an athlete. Really? What were they before, the Arabian? The Arabians are like show horses, uh -huh. you know. 
They're beautiful. They're very. Yeah. Uh, their faces are completely yeah. different. Yeah, they have much wider noses. Yeah. Now the horses that run at Belmont and Kentucky Derby, what are they? Thoroughbreds. Those are American thoroughbreds. All American of them. thoroughbreds. Because there's English thoroughbred, American thoroughbred. Are they allowed to compete internationally, or is I it- think so, but. The best competitions are here because the best horses are here. Well, didn't what horse just won in, in the Belmont? I believe it was it's it's, uh, Justify. Justify. It was. It was sort of predicted. It. Yeah. Very predictable. Well, it's just like I co- I compare horses to people. You see, potential. LeBron James. He's probably going to win. You know, <laughs> it's the same thing. It's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's the same. It, you've got to have a gift for. Loving the animals, respecting them, and having them respect you. Yeah. That's what's so incredible. So six years with Audi, different players would come in and go, right? Yeah. And you guys won a bunch of stuff. Yeah, a lot of finals, a lot of semifinals. It's fantastic. Um, yeah. So Audi's you had a good run. Oh, yeah, we've had a good run. And now your your group is Okeechobee or something? Okechobee? No, no, now we're playing in Wellington. Yes. At Grand Champions Polo Club, which is the spring season right now, and uh, it's a—I mean, I love. There's polo in other parts of the country right now, but this is my home. So for me to play, yes, my in home, Gulfstream they have quite a few games there. Yeah, as well. yeah, but this is the number one club right now. I agree. Yeah, so uh, we're here until end of May. So if anybody wants to come out on a Sunday, bring your car, bring a picnic. It's so much yeah. fun. It's free entry. Oh, it is free. Yeah, in the spring it's free. Oh, I didn't know that because yeah, so usually you get, they've got a tent and you've got to get a ticket. No, no. Now in the spring, they have open door. All people show up. There's a big tent in the middle and they have yeah. food there and it's free. It's fantastic. And, uh, but a lot of people like to come and park their cars and hang out with their family and their dogs and make a picnic, which is in England, that's huge. Yes, they do that in a lot. In England. The, well, look at Ascot and all that. Yeah. I mean, and they've made it such a big to-do. I mean, yeah. I go out there and I'm like, I don't uh, know who's uh, doing what to whom. And the queen adores all her horses. Yeah. She's a horse. and She is. And a doggy, beloved of all of that. And you had the privilege of meeting her. Yeah. Which was wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, it's just, it's interesting uh, to But see. this is great for a Floridians. Go out on a Sunday yeah. and go to Wellington. Yeah, exactly. And watch the horses. And yeah. now, Talking about the charity events, a lot of charity events are going on with you, and you have done something. You started a foundation yes. that really came in your lap by accident. Yes. But what your core belief is is that you're helping handicapped children and children. No, we want to help children from single-family homes or broken homes that uh, that need a little bit of guidance and a little bit of direction and to have a role model in their life. And if they're in a negative situation, to... Make it make them not only have a positive, but make them be motivated to say, "I want to get to that," or "I want to do that." You know. So it's to teach them role models and for them to it, to get involved in either a sport yeah. or something that in, is enthusiastic yeah. for them and push yeah. them to do better. Yeah, and just to break the cycle, whatever bad cycle they have in their life going on, just to burst that bubble and and give them exposure to a new world and, uh, you know. So you're, how do you do that? I mean, you have events out in Wellington. Yeah. We have events in Wellington. We just had our second annual equine salute 
and uh, went very well. It was a beautiful event. Um, a lot of people came, um, and the purpose of that is to promote our wine, our, our brand, right, and to for the charity. So, so you started this charity two years ago. It's a foundation, really. Yes. And it foundation. came out just really by chance because somebody was starting a vineyard. Yes. And so you're starting to do the the wine. Well, actually, I started the brand. In honor Equine of my, Salute, which I love, in honor yeah. of your father's death. Well, I started the Gracita brand in memory of my father yes. and my family and just to make it make it something. And not just something spoken about, make it something solid. Because it and is then, it is such a part yeah. of history yeah. of this game. Anything that has anything that is authentic and anything that has tradition, it has a value. So that's what those are the things that make up our brand and that's that's why and I you instill the brand. that in yeah. yourself yeah and your people around you yeah. and I, those are such important and someone just told me you know you're doing all these great and i never thought about it this is all new to me you know and uh they said you know if you're doing you're going to start doing all these things and your brand does well you should try to help people and you should do a ch work with a charity and i said if i'm going to work with a charity i'm going to make my own charity and i'm going to help who i want to help you know i like to I prefer to do. I'm all about doing it myself, so I don't. I would rather select the people I want to help and uh, make sure that it's being done right. And uh, not. I mean, there's a lot of charities out there, but the whole point of having a charity is to help people. And for me, I get the satisfaction satisfaction knowing that I helped them, not knowing that. Exactly. You know, it's nice to have something that. So it's held what once a year. Twice? Once a year, on the weekend my father passed. What he passed, oh. it's February twenty fourth. So the purpose of this event is uh, to celebrate equine life, because Wellington and everybody in my life is because of the horses. So I want to take a day to celebrate the horses and everything they've done for my community, and it's to honor everybody that's passed while riding horses. So you can imagine how many people, I mean. Because uh, it's a dangerous sport. It's a dangerous sport. Jumping's a dangerous sport. So is dressage and, uh, you know, things happen. So, uh, and the community's so big. It's not that it's, that it's, not that it's so dangerous. It's that our, the horse community's so big. There's 22,000 horses. So we all know each other. And so I try to take a day also to, to remember those people that passed doing what they love, you know. It's God bless you. Yeah, thank you. And then that's where the foundation started. And that's fantastic. Now you have a website for it. It's called yeah. GracidaLegacy.com. That's wonderful. Gracida, G-R-A-C-I-D-A, Legacy.com. Yeah. And you all should look into it. And you yes. should go, if you have children and if you have people that have lost their way bring them yeah february 23rd of every year this is a number you cannot forget and it's isn't february 14th valentine's day yeah yes <laughs> it's the day before no 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 it's 10 days after oh 10 day 23rd yeah. 23rd yeah yeah okay it's a yeah. well it's a happy month and if they want to come to polo on sunday they can buy some gracita rose and Come tailgate. And, and exactly, because <laughs> he started this wine in Argentina. No, Spain. Spain, excuse Spain, Spain, me. Spain, Spain, Spain. Spain. You can't, you, you're telling them too much because the one from Argentina is the, is the 
one that's going to be coming out. Ah, it's, oh, it's yeah. a secret. Yeah, it's a secret. So these are all interesting events that people are passionate about. Yeah. I mean, people go in droves to Wellington. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of cheering, and people come out, and they clean up the, the, the little dirt mounds, and everybody's in a good mood. Oh, it's great. And people are cheering away. Most of the time, though, people, I mean, I keep going, where are they going? It's hard to keep track. You really have to focus. That's why Polo's so beautiful, though, because everyone's involved, you know? The sponsors play. Yeah, that's right. No other sport, the sponsors play. The crowd gets involved because at halftime they stomp the divots. <laughs> the dogs are involved because they get to walk around and have fun. And the players love it. So it, it's it's the only sport, I think, that really involves everybody. And know? then everybody goes and plays together after yeah. the game. Everyone has, yeah, everyone can meet up after the game. The players are there and There's it's great. night clubbing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's good times. And it's all good times. Yeah. And it's a very, very happy, happy occasion. And you stay healthy, my dear friend, <laughs> and well. You are taking on a legacy that is going to be carried on through yeah. you and your children. And you are going to continue to play for the rest of your life. Yes, ma'am. And continue to raise these horses. You know, you're yeah. you have a gift. Thank you. And it's in your bones. Exactly. And I think it's absolutely tremendous. And Thank I do you. wish the best of luck to you. Now, everybody get out there on Sunday and everybody goes to the GracidaLegacy.com foundation and get some information and see if Oh, and the, if they want to check out the polo schedule, it's on gcpc.com gcpc.com that's for the polo that's for, that's the club yeah that's the club website that's very good but yeah. don't the games usually start at three or my no now in the spring since it gets hot in yes, the day start we start at 9 45 there's one game and then the second game's at 11. great yeah that way it's on a sunday everyone can go and spend the morning there have some have some rosé at 11 and have a sandwich <laughs> and uh then go on with their day that's great yeah. But the whole formal thing is, you know, the three o'clock, that's Phoenix. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all the horses get spread out. Some yeah. go. They to, go to New York or Santa yeah. Barbara or but Wyoming. But it's too hot for them in the summer, right? Here, yeah. So yeah. they go all over. The horses love the cold. They don't like the they hot. They do, mm -hmm. they yeah. do. So all of a sudden these barns are empty? Empty. No. They're, only, they're only here for four or five months a year. So all the trucks, all the haulers, all mm -hmm. the trainers, all the grooms, yep. they've gone bye-bye. Even the restaurants close in Wellington over the summer. <laughs> really? Yeah. It's like a ghost town. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an equestrian town. But, I mean, how many people live there during the... I don't know. Hundreds. But of if there's 22,000 horses, That's you need... A... <laughs> for the jumpers, you need two, three people for every one or two horses. Wow. Just for the horses, you know. So... It's a lot of people. Yeah. So it's a community that appears and then disappears. Yeah, it's amazing. In the winter, there's traffic and it's hectic and everywhere is full. And then in the summer, it's super chill. Amazing. Yeah. Well, this was so much information because most people don't know all of the ins and outs of the game and the chuckers and the four players and the positions and the height of the horse and the age of the horse. I think we didn't quite discuss them that some of them play at four mm -hmm. and they're trained very early mm -hmm. and some of them and some of them can play up until they're 20 22 that's extraordinary how did they do that i don't know really they're, they're the most noble animals i know so. and they can it's extraordinary yeah. so the diversity 
in the horse itself and the qualifications of the horse sort of leads you to believe that there is a greater good in this. Oh, yeah. Of course. And it's also who trains them and who loves them that gives them this sort of gratitude of, hey, I'm going to stick around. Yeah, they love it. But but do any of these horses go out to breed? Yeah, a lot of them do. A lot of them do. Yeah, a lot of them do. So the it's, good ones. <laughs> yeah, but it's a continuous business. Yeah, well, yeah. There's between a, the breeding and the farming and the training. Oh, yeah. And the moving them around yeah. and and traveling and yeah. your groomsmen. It's extraordinary. Yeah. Well, if you get a chance to go to these farms, you've got to go. Yeah. I mean, I have never seen such beauty in my entire life. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It's amazing. So this is a whole field that I don't think people really know about. But at least now you know the hands for the horse, <laughs> the age of the horse. Where the, Polo is, you can come watch it. Where Polo is, <laughs> the foundation, yeah. uh, the, the age of the horse, how many chuckers, seven. I got it. Yeah. I'm learning in the position. Now you got to get on one. Oh, dear, no. <laughs> oh, dear, no, I don't think so. Yeah. But it was such a pleasure, and thank you thank so you. much for your time. And God bless you, and you keep carrying on what you do. And don't forget, lead us not into temptation. We can find it ourselves. God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. 